Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! So we're going to be looking at Luke 15, uh, 11 to 32. And um, I think this is a very familiar passage, uh, whether you have been coming to church or not, maybe never come to church, you might have heard of this passage, which has been titled The Prodigal Son. Um, but we're going to be looking at it from a different angle today. So why don't we all turn to Luke 15, uh, 11 to 32. And if you don't have your Bibles, it is also flash up on the screen so we can all see together. So let us read together from verse 11. Then he said, and this is Jesus saying this parable, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine or pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I am here perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But the older brother was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his brother, his father, sorry, came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, These many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. And it was right that we should make merry and be glad. 
For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. So, yeah, how many people have been blessed even just from reading that together? We know it's a, a very well-known story of grace, um, of being able to come back to God, to come back to the Father, and so much mercy, so much love that has covered all that we have done wrong. And today we're going to be focusing not on the younger son, which tends to be the main focus of the story, um, but the title of the message today, if you're writing down notes, is The Love of Our Heavenly Father. And that is what we'll be focusing on today. So we know, you know, maybe, maybe if you've not heard this passage before, we can go through it quickly just to kind of break it down. So Jesus is telling the story of a father that had two sons. Um, and the younger son uh, goes to his father and essentially says, give me the inheritance that I will be given from when you die. You know, that is a very, that's a lot of assets, money, uh, and a very bold thing to ask for. Uh, my birthday is coming up soon, but I don't think I would be brave enough to ask my dad, give me all my inheritance now. Uh, he is not dead yet. I don't want him to die for a very, very, very long time. So, yeah, I, that is something that you would just never decide to ask your dad, right? So, but he did that, and, you know, his, at that time as well, it wasn't just money. His livelihood means, you know, probably he had a farm, the father had a farm, and all the assets wouldn't have been money, it would have been land, would have been cattle, sheep, goats, uh, servants as well. Uh, so all of these things, it's not just something that, oh, I can just draw cash out and then give it to you. But, but he did it, and then somehow the younger son turned it into money, or coins maybe at that time. And so he went away, and he spent it all. And let's just say the PG version of this is spent it all on a very good time. Uh, don't need to elaborate. So that's what he did. He completely wasted all the money. That's a lot of money. Um, and then what happens? There is a severe famine. So imagine, you know, what's the modern day of a famine? Like the stock market completely crashes and, you know, all the... Something that completely just changes everything, just, oh, God. So he's left with completely nothing. And then it says in verse 15, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. That means that he had no choice but to work and become a slave. When you join yourself to a citizen, it means that you now have to work for a master. And so what was his job? To feed pigs. And in that time, he was speaking to Jews. We all know that Jews can't eat pigs. So this is like the worst, the lowest job ever. And, he's, and it said in six, verse 16, he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. He was so hungry that he would even eat the food that the pigs were, being, were eaten. But no one gave him anything. And so he's had an epiphany. Even my father's hired servants have more than enough food to eat. It's bread enough and to spare. So what does he do? So he's realized that 
He's realized what he's done. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Then he goes to his father, and then it says, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran. And it's like just that image of your father looking out for you, seeing you, you know, imagine, like, we all know Euston Road is a very long, straight road. Imagine, can I see, can I see someone there coming at the back? No, 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 let's go get the back, don't we? <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm okay, Toby, I'm going to use Toby's name. <laughs> is, that, is that Toby? No, that's Toby. And then I run, I run to the back. Like, how, how long do you think the father ran? Do you think he waited until, the, he didn't wait until the son was here. He had to go to him. Maybe he was looking out. I can see him coming out of King's Cross Station. Wow. He ran. That's how far he ran. And before the son even had a chance to say, because it, it repeats. If you look at verse, verse 18 and then comparing it with um, verse uh, 21, it says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The first part says, make me like one of your hired servants. But before the son even had a chance to say that, the father says immediately, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring here the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. The fatted calf is not just any calf. This is a calf that has been specially moved aside to its own little pen to not move and basically become fat. That sounds like Wagyu, right? Like grade A Wagyu. And that is only reserved for a special occasion like a wedding. You know, the, I don't know what, what's more special than a wedding. <laughs> but it's, it's for a special celebration. Um, and, and yet the father decided to kill the fatted calf for him. That's like the most, the most special, special of special parties that he could do for his son. And he says, for my son has been, is, was dead and is alive again, and he's lost and is found. So now we look at the oldest son, and the oldest son was working in the field, and he comes, he's been working all day, sweating in the field, it's messy, mud. He comes, and he's like, what is this? Why is there music? You know, why is there dancing? Why are people so like happy? Why are you not working? And so he comes and he asks, so what, what's going on? What, what, what's all this for? He said, your, father, your brother has come and because he has come safe and sound and your father has killed the fatted calf, the grade A wagyu is, is being cooked. So yeah, but the, the older brother was angry he heard this and it's like, how, how can my father have done this? How can he have given away the, the most expensive cut of meat, the, the nicest cut of meat for him? But no, I can't even step into the party. I'm so angry. This, the, he doesn't deserve my presence in this party. I do not agree with this. And so... Then the father comes out and pleads with the older brother to 
come to the party, to join the party. How, please, can you come? And the older son says, I have been working so hard all these many years. I never left your sight. I never did wrong by you. But you never even killed a goat for me. But this son, this son of yours, you give him the fatted calf. And then the father says, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should be marrying glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. And so when I looked at this story, I really was touched by the father's love, and that was really the key key point to, 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 you know, this passage to me that really touched me. And it really, and it re- helped me to kind of look at this question, which is the first point. Are we loving God for God? For some of us, maybe we've been in church for a long time, and um, like me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it can, we can maybe lose sight of what it is that we came to God for. And sometimes we can lose focus and focus just on the job, focus on doing the work, doing the right thing, being here. Um, But we have completely missed out on the love of God. And just like this older son you know, the father said, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It's like the older son completely missed that point and didn't even realize that, you know, I'm working so hard because I'm investing in my father's land and the inheritance that I'm going to get. You know, he didn't say it necessarily, but the fact that he was so upset at the father giving the fatted calf to the younger brother. Yeah. It's like, you don't deserve that. Yeah. I deserve that, yeah. but he doesn't deserve that. But he, he the, the, the dad never gave it to me. Yeah. So when we are here, when we are in church, or you know, just doing our own thing Monday to Saturday, are we loving God for God? And are we here today because we want something from God? Or are we here because we really and truly want to just be in God's presence? Both of the sons focused on their own reward over their relationship with their father. And sometimes, you know, we forget that our relationship with God is not a transactional one. He has already given us everything that we need. And it says to seek first the kingdom of God, but are we seeking him to be blessed by other things? And, you know, it says in the Bible about blessing, abundance, and we can hear that and say, yes, I received that. But are we really seeking God first? We can be in church and part of community, doing the work, seen to be serving, but how is our relationship with God? And we're going to look at a couple of things that can really help us to identify maybe some areas that we need to work in, and this even is for me as well. And so 
when we look at this question, how can this change our approach in our prayer lives? Maybe we need to assess what other things that we're praying for. When we pray, is it a long list of different wants and needs? Or are we praying for other people? Are we just complaining to God? Or are we really truly seeking the things of God's heart and truly seeking just his presence, just truly coming to him and just soaking in his, in his goodness. And just one thing that I wanted to share that as I was thinking about this, um, one of my dad's closest friends uh, once shared with us how he once prayed to God when he was maybe like a young dad. Uh, and he said, uh, please do not let me have so much money that I lose my need to depend on you. And it's like, wow, so many times we ask for a pay rise, a promotion, more of this, more of that, more free time. Yeah. But a lot of these things is just serving ourselves. Yeah. But is, it, is this serving God? Yeah. And maybe we just need to you know, take a step back and think, okay, God, there's nothing wrong with asking God for more things. But is that our primary focus? Or is drawing closer to God our focus? Um, and maybe another thing is quiet time and reading of the Bible. And I know this is not easy uh, because you don't do it in front of people. It's just you and God. There's no one saying, hey, well done, you spent an hour today. You know, is it something that we just tick off our to-do list? Or is it something that when we come and when we spend time with God, we enjoy it? Or are we just... Okay, chapter, this chapter. Yes, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Can I go now? Yes, yes. You know, when we, when we have dinner with a friend, are we on our phone all the time? Like, scroll, scroll, scroll. Ha-ha. <laughs> Share this, scroll. No. It's not very nice, is it? When we do our quiet time, we need to give God our focus and our undivided attention. And even this is, for me, it's like, I, I need to put my phone away when I do my quiet time because otherwise, like, bing, or like, you just, it's just muscle memory. Oh, you, oh somehow I'm on Instagram. <laughs> somehow I'm on YouTube, like, oh, yeah, you know, yep. Yeah. No, just put it away, you know, put it away. It's quiet time, and it's just, you just need the Bible and closed door, and that's it. It doesn't need to be anything else. And another thing is maybe our serving. You know, how, how are we serving God? And are we serving our egos? You know, I've been in this church a long time, but does it get any easier? You know, are we letting God affect our comfort zone? Uh, what's convenient? You know, I'm challenged every time when I see different ones sacrifice. You know, I know that person's busy, but they're still saying yes to, you know, teaching homes that week. It's like they've had a busy week, but they're still saying yes to that. It's like, ah, oh, you know, I, I could have stepped in. I'm very free this week, but they already said yes. You know, like, what can I do? But, you know, 
And maybe it's, it's not just that, it's, it's our hearts that are unseen. And I know in church we have a very good culture of saying thank you to everyone here that is serving, but what if no one says thank you? What if no one says, good job, good job, Joe? But what if no one says that? Is that okay? If what if no one said to me, Rora, thank you so much for your time that you spent, your sacrifice, you know, it's like that really touched me. Then I'm like, okay. But if no one says that, is that okay? If no one laughs in my sermon, is that okay? Yes. It's not about that. It's about giving God our best. It's about everything that we do reflecting him and making him smile because maybe what we think is worship or what looks nice is actually maybe not what God is looking for. Maybe God is, you know, I always imagine like when we go to heaven and um, it's like a gallery, right? And then it's all these like very conceptual art pieces. And imagine there's like a video of you, all the times that you cried in your room by yourself that's framed up by God, because that's what he thinks is beautiful. Not, not, oh, the most eloquent time Rora prayed in front of everyone and lifted everyone up. It's, it's the tears. It's the hours of practice. It's the time when, ah, oh, that week, I'm so busy. But I really feel like God is asking me to connect with that person Ah, oh, but they're so hard to talk to. But God is really asking me to message that person. You know, that's what God is putting up in his gallery, if you imagine that. And so that leads me nicely to my next point. Are we loving others like God? You know, that you don't have to be a Christian to read uh, this passage and see that is loving without an agenda, right? The love was so radical, ridiculous. You know, the idea of this father, this older gentleman running in his robe, in his sandals, you know, with the dust behind him and he's running to his son. It's like, what a picture. Overly generous, but also gentle at the same time, and only God can love like that. And, you know, we know that what the younger son asked for was absolutely, you know, not just asking for the world, but also how he asked, and what he asked for is like an offense to the father. Like, how could he ask for that? It's like, it's like I wish my father was dead, and I'm going to go my own way and do this. That is essentially what the younger son is asked for. But yet, the father forgave. He didn't even let him finish his apology. And yet, he immediately covered him with the best robe. And that is usually only re reserved for the guest of honor. And put a ring on his hand. And that's like saying... You're welcome back in this family. You're part of this family. A ring also represents authority because when a servant recognizes that ring, they know that you are a master of this household. And sandals on his feet. Only slaves 
our servants do not have sandals because uh, it's a way of also meaning that they don't run away. Um, but yes, you know, the father gave him uh, sandals on his feet because he, know, he didn't want him to be a servant for his family. He didn't want him to repay back all the money that he had lost and wasted. He just wanted his son back. But the older son was cynical. The older son was like, he did so much wrong. How can you give that to him? How can you give the fatted calf to him? The father was quick to forgive and did not condemn, but immediately forgave. Are we like that? Are we quick to forgive or are we quick to condemn? And forgiveness is something that we know we have to pray and ask God for. And in Mark 11, I haven't given this, don't worry, Acts TV. <laughs> uh, Mark 11, uh, 25 to 26, it says, and whenever you stand praying, so that's any time you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your family, your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So, you know, are we quick to forgive? Forgiveness is not easy because I think we all, you know, whenever someone does something wrong against you, we feel so justified. I must hold on to that until they apologize and owe me for whatever it is that they've taken away with this hurt. But the Father has completely forgiven so quickly you know are we running to forgive I think it's so reluctant we're so reluctant we're like no but but the father he's running to him running from afar are we running from afar to love others are we so willing to give what we have, the best of what we have to someone to restore them, you know? This passage uh, in Luke, the whole chapter is kind of like a series on the lust. And in the beginning of Luke 15, um, it says that Jesus is with the tax collectors and sinners, and the Pharisees were the ones complaining, this man receives sinners and eats with them, you know? Do we have compassion for those that are lost? Or are we so righteous that we are so comfortable seated here in our righteousness, in our holiness? But actually, God wants us to dine with those that are lost, to really reach out to those that are lost. Are we running to save the lost? Are we running to love the lost? And this is also God's conviction that we should love others as we love ourselves. Do we love with no limits? And do we confine our love only to those we believe deserve it? You know, it's very easy to love your friends and, you know, people that have done right by you. But 
do we find it easy to love those that have done wrong against us? Or just have done wrong, you know? Oh, that person, I don't want to <laughs> say anything. <laughs> but, okay, let's maybe look at John 3.16. Don't worry, I haven't given this. Um, it's a very well-known verse. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So loved the world is everybody. His son died for everybody, not just those that have done right. Not just, you know, your friends and family, but those that we don't know, those that are unfamiliar, people that are messy, you know, people that, uh, that's not how I would have done it. You know, people love, God loves them too. But, you know, as we've just been looking, are we loving God for God? Are we loving others like God? It's, it's very difficult. So, in my next point, it says, and this is my last point, we need to love with God. You know, the first two questions is like impossible. You know, even the older son that was with the father for so long, he completely missed the point. But are we like that? Like, as Christians, I really hope I do not become like that and just completely miss out on having that relationship with the father. And more so, I also, I would love to be able to love others like God, but it is very hard. But we even look at the last part of this passage, sorry, where it says from verse 25, now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, you know, he came and discovered what was happening, refused to go into the party, but the father had to come out. The, the host of the party, the father of the house, the master of the house had to leave the party. Imagine like, you know, the groom and the bride leaving their wedding to go meet somebody outside that doesn't want to join the wedding. It's a bit strange, isn't it? But the father even left the party to find the older son. Like, please join us because we must celebrate. And that's the thing. We need to do it with God. God has invited us to join him, to come with him, to do this walk with him. It's a very difficult walk. And what does that mean to love with God? It means we need to let go. And we need to let go of our hurts, our desires, our preferences, our unforgiveness, and let God intervene and change our hearts. We need to ask God to reveal maybe some of the areas that we need to change. And in order to reach this standard of love of our Heavenly Father, we need to ask for help. And we need to do this with God and with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we've been looking 
as a theme this year as a church that heaven rules. So if heaven rules and if God rules, are we letting God truly rule our lives? And, you know, the relationship is really where it's the most important part because we need to realize that not only are we here with God, but do we see life together with God as the inheritance? And would you let God be the treasure of your heart? And so even as I draw to a close and, and can invite the worship team to come up, um, the parable is open-ended. We don't know what the oldest son chose to do. Did he decide to join the party? Or did he remain outside to sulk in the field? Um, you know, a lot of self-reflection today. Are we loving God for God? Are we seeking other things above him? And what is it that is preventing us from loving others like God? Is there maybe some unresolved unforgiveness that we need to address today and maybe it's something that we thought we had addressed and we did address it but have we let it go and we really need to just surrender right now and say yes God I need you and I can't do this alone If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.